I'm glad that we're together for church, and welcome to Centerpoint Church Online. If you're new with us, my name is John Hanson. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad we get to share this experience together this weekend. So, have you ever wondered what is really true about angels? And have you ever wondered what the Bible says about angels and whether there's anything to do with spiritual warfare and the connection with angels? Well, that's what I'm going to be teaching about in this message today. The scriptures mention angels more than 300 times. And so it's not a sideline item. It's actually kind of part of the biblical picture that I want us to be able to grow in an awareness of. But I think you'll see by the end of the message that it's not just information. It's actually empowerment. So uh, last week I came down in the morning and I looked out the window and there in the pool on the vacuum hose was this tiny little mouse that was just sitting there on the vacuum hose in the middle of the water, just sitting there. So I went outside to check him out and see what was going on, and I, I grabbed hold of the vacuum hose, and I started shaking it around, and of course he fell off, and he did his little mouse paddle you know, back to this, the hose, and, and he sat there again. And I decided I needed to deal with him. So I got the, the skimmer net, and then I got a bucket, and I reached in my skimmer net and grabbed the mouse, and then I put him in the bucket, and there he was in the bucket. And I felt so bad for him. He was all wet and cold looking, and so I got a handful of, of, of shredded cheese, and I tossed it in the bucket, just wanted to help the guy out, and as soon as I put the cheese in there, he started going for it and, and, uh, and, and gnawing at it. I think you can see that in the next picture there. He was actually kind of cute. You know, it was a cute little mouse. Anyway, this little guy had no concept of who I was or what I was doing. He had no ability even to really even conceive of me. He doesn't know about my being and my nature. All he knows is that, uh, that some big old thing came in and rescued him, you know? And what I did with the, uh, the mouse, by the way, in case you're wondering, is I took the bucket out to the fields uh, behind my neighborhood and I let him go. I even included the cheese, gave him a head start in this life until he became snake food. But that's another story. Anyway, again, you know, that little, that little mouse had no clue about me, you know, who I am, what I was doing, but he needed me. I wasn't his creator, but I was used by his creator to do something good for him that he desperately needed. In a sense, I was kind of like the angel of the story. I know it's a stretch, but I, I did. I, I carried out something that brought some good to that little guy's life. And I want to ask you to take a few moments to come to an understanding of what the scripture says about angels. And we're going to spend some time in the scriptures today, but I want you to understand this, that, that you and I have an opportunity to grow in our faith in lots of different ways. And I want to make sure that I can share a message with you about angels in an appropriate way that would build your confidence and trust in God's love and care for you as you grow in an understanding of the way he sometimes brings that love and care through angels. So we don't want to have an obsessive focus on angels, but we do want to have an appropriate awareness of one of the wonderful ways that God brings his love and care, and it sometimes happens through angels. I also want you to know that you can actually strengthen angelic breakthrough by seeking God in prayer and through practicing self 
denial as an act of spiritual commitment and spiritual warfare. And so I want to just start big picture, though, and make sure we all understand a little bit generally about what the scripture says about angels. I mentioned that there are more than 300 verses that reference angels, so I'll just start with a big picture understanding and share with you six things that that angels do. But first, let's just kind of get in mind what angels are. Angels are created beings, and they're created sometime uh, between the week of creation as we're uh, coming to understand that in Genesis and before the fall of Adam and Eve. That's when angels are created by God, and they are created beings with a, a free will, much like humans have a free will. And big picture, about a third of the created beings called angels ended up following the, the charms of Lucifer and falling from their uh, wonderful place as angelic beings meant to serve God. And that, that's how we come to know uh, what demons are. But the vast majority stood at their ground and honored the Lord and continued to do so and serve the Lord. They're created beings. They are on assignment uh, by God to serve the needs of God's people. Big picture, that's what they do. Angels are referred to as mighty, mighty beings. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 1.7 talks about Jesus coming again and coming with his mighty angels when he does. 2 Peter 2.11 talks about angels as those who are mightier in strength and power than human beings. And so that's a frame of reference for just understanding uh, something about the character of angels, generally speaking. Psalm 78, 49 talks about God dispatching a band of destroying angels to smite the wicked. I mean, so angels are mighty beings sent by God to be used by God. So here's what angels do. Six categories of things that angels do. First of all, number one, angels are used by God to bring answers to prayer to God's people. For example, Acts chapter 12, the church believers were meeting together and praying and praying because Peter was in jail. And as they prayed, God answered their prayers by sending an angel to bust Peter out of prison. First category, angels are used by God to bring answers to prayers of God's people. Second category of things angels do, angels are used by God in guiding humans on particular tasks. Case in point would be Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Philip is, is met by an angel, and the angel says, you're going the wrong way, buddy. You need to head down to, to, to Gaza. And, and he did it. He followed the angel's guidance, and he ends up meeting this Ethiopian traveler, leads him to an, an understanding of the gospel, baptizes him there. I mean, it's an amazing thing that happens, but an angel was used by God to bring the guidance for that particular uh, moment. A third realm of angel activity is angels are, are often found just simply engaging in worship and praise of God. I mean, you look through the book of Revelation, you see it again and again, chapters four and five in particular, it describes a multitude of angels, more than could be counted, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels, nonstop worship and praise of God. It's just striking to me that those angelic beings closest to the very presence of God can't even help but but praise him without stopping. A fourth realm of angelic activities, angels are used by God to bring deliverance or rescue to God's people. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles are in jail and an angel is sent to rescue them from prison. 
A fifth realm of angelic activity. Angels are used by God to bring provision to God's people at times. For example, in the scriptures in 1 Kings 19, Elijah is exhausted. He's just come from this amazing time of ministry, but he's exhausted. An angel comes and brings sustenance for him. A sixth realm of angelic activity is angels are used to participate in carrying out God's final judgment. Jesus even says in Matthew 16, 27, that when he comes back, he's coming with the mighty angels. And Matthew 13 says that the angels are the ones that are going to separate the righteous from the wicked. So big picture, I've just shared with you six realms of angelic activity, but all of those realms are areas in which breakthrough comes. And what I want you to embrace is that from a biblical point of view, often when we're praying and asking for breakthrough, we might not know it, but we need some angelic activity to probably be a part of the solution for the very breakthrough we're asking. And that often in scripture, God does in fact use angelic beings as part of his delivery system to bring the very breakthrough we're praying for. So I want us to, to just embrace today the, the goodness of God, the love and care of God, and the mysterious, wonderful way he sometimes brings that through angelic beings. You know, it's exciting to me, and, and it's an important thing to have a, a healthy conception of. Sometimes we have misconceptions about angels. Uh, Anne and I uh, love to watch Korean dramas, and recently we watched this show called Angel's Last Mission, Love. Anyway, in this, uh, in this one, uh, the main character was this angel. It, you'll, you'll notice him in this picture. Uh, he, he's the one uh, in the white, dazzling suit. You know? And uh, I don't know if they got it right in terms of what an angel should be represented like, but I think they did a better job than, than the, the little guys uh, uh, that Michelangelo came up with. I mean, you know those two little chubby guys? They, they look like they've been in quarantine way too long. You know what I'm talking about, right? They look bored. You know, it definitely they did a better job than, you know, the Valentine angel, you know, the Cupid. There is nothing in the Bible to suggest that angels are, are, are chubby little babies wandering around shooting people with heart arrows. It's just not in the book. It's just not there. Yeah, I mean, it's cute, but it's just not biblical, right? More than likely, angels would be better represented by something like this, like a, a mighty warrior ready to do battle ready to bring the victory of the cross of Jesus into the real time, to bring the breakthrough that we're crying out for. It is much more likely that angels should be represented like this, like, like a warrior ready to do battle on our behalf, because that is, in fact, what you find in the scriptures more often than not. And so I want us to take that to heart today and understand this core truth. Strengthen angelic breakthrough by seeking God in prayer, and practicing self-denial. I want you to just say that main idea with me one time. Ready, say it. Strengthen angelic breakthrough by seeking God in prayer and practicing self-denial. So I don't want us to have any kind of an unhealthy obsession or focus on angels, and we don't need to be trying to strike up conversations with angels. I mean, throughout the scriptures, it's always God and an angel who initiates those things, not, not the humans. And at the same time, I do want us to understand how pivotal the activity of angels can be in us receiving God's love and care and breakthrough power. And to understand that we may, in fact, have a role 
in strengthening that angelic breakthrough that we're praying for. So uh, I want us to just uh, take one scripture to heart for a moment, and it's in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 1. The book of Hebrews begins by making sure that God's people would know that angels are not to be worshipped. Like, that's a very big deal in the early church and in Hebrews, but there's this one summary statement that's important for us to kind of clue in on, and it says this in verse 14. It says, therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. I want you to just read that verse out loud with me. Say it nice and strong in your family room, your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever it is. Say it loud. Go. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. You and I are also servants. We're servants of God. And in a way, angelic beings share that calling, to be those who who are servants of God. And this is an important verse because it describes that God's heart is to send those beings to care for people like you and I, that you and I would receive God's love and care through those particular beings called angels. So now, with all of that overview in mind, I want us to jump to an Old Testament book, the book of Daniel. And I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 10 right now and grab your Bible off your nightstand or reach from where it is underneath your coffee table or whatever. Grab that Bible and I want you to truly open it up and turn to Daniel chapter 10. We need to be people who are familiar with where God's word addresses certain things. And Daniel 10 is an important part of the scripture both from a vantage point of spiritual warfare and uh, an understanding of angelic beings. So, big picture, here's what's going on if you haven't been reading this Old Testament prophet recently. Daniel is a Jewish prophet. Uh, He's alive roughly 2,650 years ago. And even though he's a Jewish prophet, he's not living in the Holy Land, the Promised Land of Israel. In fact, he's living in exile in Babylon under the rulership of the king of Persia. He was part of the group of people that got carted off in the captivity we know of as the exile. And he was there, but he became more and more aware of the plight of his own people. And so at this particular part of the book of Daniel, Daniel has been praying and interceding and seeking God for the sake of of his Jewish community, his people. And uh, with, with that in mind, I want us to then turn to Daniel chapter 10 right now. So it says in Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. Why don't you just say times of war and great hardship? You know, Daniel was was addressing something very specific when he referenced times of war and great hardship. But at the same time as it's addressing something very specific that Daniel was seeing, the heart of what Daniel is conveying is always true. That there, there would be times of war and hardship throughout history, and even times like we're living in right now are times of war and hardship. The, the war right now 
is not necessarily something between one nation and another, but it's a war. The NIV refers to it as the great war. It's a war in the spiritual realm, a war in the heavenly realm, and it's always taking place. And in that great war, the stakes are very high. The stakes are communities and marriages and families and the souls of human beings. And in that great war, it is upon God's people to rise up and pray and intercede like Daniel did and to decide, I'm taking my stand. I'm not going to take it lying down. I am, even though I'm in, like Daniel was, in exile and not where I want to be, I'm going to be turning my face towards heaven. I'm going to be pleading my case before God. I'm going to be believing God to bring a breakthrough. And I'm going to put my focus on my God and what he might do yet. And this is what Daniel's doing. It's a model for us in times like these. And so in verse 1, it said that he he was seeing this event that would happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. But verse uh, verse 2 says this. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Okay, so I want to make sure that we're on the same page together, understanding what has happened. What what has happened is that Daniel has been fasting and praying for three weeks straight, and then this visionary encounter happened. So keep that order in mind. Daniel's been fasting and praying for 21 days straight. And whatever comes next that we're going to read in Daniel comes as a result of and in response to the fasting and praying that Daniel's been doing. He's been seeking God in prayer and he has been practicing uh, self-denial. I, I mean, that's what we read about, isn't it? He's, he's fasting and it's not a traditional fast where you eat nothing at all. It's a unique kind of fasting or self-denial where he's specifically, he's skipping the wine and the rich foods and, uh, and, and even the lotion. Can you imagine? That's a sacrifice. I'm serious. I mean, you think Southern California is hot and dry? Just try Babylon and the deserts of the Middle East. Go. Oh, he's skipping lotion. That's real self-denial, my friends. Anyway, this is Daniel also showing us how it's done. Saying, all right, you want to be a part of the resistance? You want to see God bring a spiritual breakthrough? Then watch how it's done. I'm willing to set conveniences and comforts and luxuries aside so that I can devote myself to seeking my God and putting my heart in his presence first and making that the priority of my life. I'm, I'm willing to pray and let my cry be heard on earth and in heaven. Like This is Daniel showing you and me a thing or two about a spiritual life that's real, that's vital, that brings breakthrough. And so he's been fasting, he's been praying, and uh, he's, he's, he's showing us what we need to do as well. And I want to call you to take a cue from Daniel and maybe even to choose to put some of that old school spiritual life goodness into practice in your life. Think about it like this. Can you imagine if you would be willing to engage in self-denial, specifically so that you would set apart time and heart energy to pursue the Lord, to seek his presence, to make your cry heard to him? Can you imagine that? And maybe the fasting that you need to do isn't a full food fast. 
And maybe for some of us, it would be good to do the kind of fasting Daniel's doing here. You know, skip the wine and the meat and the rich food and, and maybe even the lotion. But what if you did a different kind of fasting? Like, for example, what if you decided to fast from screen times and social media? Like, if you were to look at your screen time on your device, and it says that your average screen time is six or seven hours a day, that might be an indicator that you have an opportunity of something that you could be fasting from, engaging in some self-denial with regards to. And can you imagine the benefit that would come if you would set aside that six hours or even just a portion of it and say, I'm seeking the Lord my God instead. I'm going to self-deny this engagement with these screens so that I can pursue the Lord, so that my cry can be heard on earth and in heaven, so that I can pray, so that I can seek my God, and oh, by the way, so that I can just have good conversations with the people in my family, rather than, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, oh, what, what, no, did I touch a nerve? It got real quiet. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm thinking it just got real quiet at your house. I'm calling you back to this ancient spiritual discipline of fasting for spiritual breakthrough. And and I want you to understand that it could be, in fact, a vital part of strengthening an angelic breakthrough. Daniel was seeking God in prayer, practicing self-denial as an act of spiritual commitment and as an act of spiritual warfare. And as a result, here's what happens. What happens is, first, he has this amazing vision of the Messiah. And then he has this encounter with an angel. And I want you to jump to verse 10 and just see how this unfolds. So in verse 10 it says, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you're very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up. For I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. I I love that God sent this angelic messenger. And that the first thing that he says to him is, Daniel, you are precious to God. And I know that probably some of us would read that and think, yeah, of course, he's Daniel, the prophet. How would he not be precious to God? But you know what? You're just as precious to God. You are so precious to God. You are just as precious to God as Daniel is. You know how I know this? I know this because of what Jesus did. I know this because of what it says in the book of Romans, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, and it specifies that he demonstrated his love for us by doing that. He regards you as precious, precious enough to offer his own life to redeem you. You are precious to God, so precious that from the foundation of the world, he would see you and see your needs and see your desires and your dreams and have a plan for you. You are so precious to God, as precious as Daniel was, that God would speak through the prophet Jeremiah through time into your presence saying, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You're so precious to God 
that he would say, I am opening up heaven for you because I want you to be with me where I am for all eternity. You are so precious to God that he would say, I want to send my Holy Spirit to live inside of you so that you can be empowered from on high for all your days on this earth. God regards you as so precious that he would send people into this world to rise up to be a community for you, the church, that you could be among those who would express his love to you. You are precious to God, as precious as Daniel was to God. And so I don't want you to skip over that and think, oh, that was just a nice thing for an angel to say to a prophet. No, it's, it's a reflection of God's heart for you as well. Daniel, you're, you're beloved, you're precious. He cares about you. God cares about your life, your challenges, your dreams, your difficulties your hopes, your desires. And I believe that he has a breakthrough in mind for you. And it just may be that, that you're beginning now to strengthen that angelic breakthrough by seeking God in prayer and through practicing self-denial the way Daniel did. And, and did you catch what happened? This angel shows up in response to the praying and fasting that Daniel had been doing. Verse 12 says this, Daniel, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come in answer to your prayer. I want you to just hear this one more time. I'm going to read it again, verse 12. This angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in answer to your prayer. I want you to see the connection. Daniel began praying 21 days earlier, but this angel says, the moment you began praying, your, your cry was heard. This, this is so life-giving to me. It gives me hope that, that when I begin to cry out to God, that my cry is heard, and the, the delay in receiving the breakthrough I'm praying for and asking for isn't a reflection of a lack of God's ability to hear me or my ability to speak loud enough. In fact, this is an indication that he hears me as soon as I begin to pray and that there's maybe something else going on as to why I haven't seen the breakthrough come quite yet. And, and that's what we need to make sure to pay attention to. In verse uh, the next couple of verses, we, we find this out. Verse 13 says, For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, this is one of those sections of the scripture that it, it, it's deep. And it's important that we not miss what's going on. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia is a demonic entity. It's a demonic spirit that has some kind of a demonic assignment over a specific region. Uh, one terminology that we might use to describe that is a territorial spirit. And in this case, the territory is Persia. It's a political entity, it's a geographical region, it's a, a cultural group, 
and there's some kind of a demonic assignment levied against that specific territory. And it shows up in the person of this prince of Persia, spiritual prince of Persia. So this angel was dispatched from heaven the moment Daniel started praying. But this angel was held up for 21 days by this demonic entity referred to as the Prince of Persia. I think it's important that you and I understand what we're looking at. What we're seeing here is a reflection of of the unseen realm that many of us don't often pay much attention to or don't get much of a glimpse into. And in this unseen spiritual realm, there is a real spiritual battle taking place between this angel sent from the throne room of God in answer to Daniel's prayers and this demonic entity that has some kind of a demonic assignment to thwart the answer to Daniel's prayers. Specifically, this demonic entity is thwarting the carrying of the message from God, the truth of God, the word of God. The word of God bringing truth is blocked. When you and I are not receiving the breakthrough that we are desiring and asking and praying for, it may not be a reflection of God failing to answer It may be a reflection of a spiritual struggle taking place in a realm that we can't see all that clearly. But what I recognize is that this 21-day period was a time in which Daniel, it it said in the first couple of verses he was mourning, but then in verse 12 it clarifies that he was was praying and praying with a a heart that was full of, of need and desperation for God, so bad that it was referred to as mourning. But he's praying and fasting. Can you imagine if after 11 days, Daniel might have just thrown in the towel and said, ah, forget about it. I don't think anything's going to happen. I wonder if maybe there's an 11th day and a 12th day and a 13th day and a 14th and a 15th and a 16th and a 20th and a 21st day that you and I need to lean into. And it might not be a literal 21 days. It might be 21 years. It might be 21 months. (laughs) But let's be those who would continue seeking our God in prayer and practicing self-denial, that ancient spiritual discipline of fasting the way Daniel did so that spiritual breakthrough could come. It just might be that Daniel continuing to fast and pray is what strengthened that angel that was doing the spiritual battle with the prince of Persia in the unseen realm. And it just might be that the praying and fasting that you do is what strengthens that spiritual being, that angelic being sent by God to come and bring your breakthrough. So let's be those who lean in. So so now... Now, does it seem so outlandish and silly that I would suggest maybe backing up on the six hours of screen time and instead consecrating a little bit more time to just be in God's presence and seek his face and let your cry be heard on earth and in heaven? Because could you imagine what spiritual battle might be brought to victory as you do? This is what is revealed here, is that you may be able to strengthen angelic breakthrough by seeking God in prayer and practicing self-denial. 
fasting the way Daniel did. So verse 14 continues. This angel says, now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And continuing on to verse 15, it says, while he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. And then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I'm filled with anguish because of the vision I've seen, Lord. I'm very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. You know, it's important to recognize that not all spiritually authentic moments of encounter and visions leave us feeling uh, giddy and cheerful and chipper. <laughs> I mean, Daniel saw something so, so profound that it, it almost left him sapped of all his strength. It's important to see this. Then in verse 18, then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I, I felt strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. You're very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger. And I said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And he replied, do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me except these spirit princes, except Michael, your spirit prince. I love the way this, this moment climaxes with this angel bringing strength back to a weary Daniel. And in particular, bringing the word of truth to the servant of God. It will always be the word of truth that will strengthen you. And it may just be that God's desire is for you to experience that strengthening uh, even as you strengthen the one who may bring it. So this is God's word. And there's revelation in this, in this word for you. And I hope you'll take it. And I hope you'll let it move you to be someone who would practice self-denial and seeking your God in prayer as a way to perhaps strengthen angelic breakthrough for the very things that you're asking God for. Okay, now zooming back out, big picture. You are precious to God. You're so precious to God that he would send his one and only son to offer his life for you. And so if you're a believer, zoom out with me and just take that in again. God loves you so much he sent his one and only son for you. If you're a believer right now, would you just simply say, thank you, God, for loving me like that. I mean, just say it with me. Thank you, God, for loving me like that. I mean, it's really important, right? I know that what I've shared in this message could feel a bit esoteric or a little bit out there, and maybe in some ways it is, even though it's powerfully truthful, but it's important to come back to center, which is Jesus. And just to take in God's great love for you that he's demonstrated through Jesus. And think about the cross. Think about Jesus taking upon himself all of the guilt and shame of all humanity, but also yours. And, and if you're a believer, could you just, again, take that in 
and one more time, just say, thank you, God, for loving me like that. Just say it with me. Thank you, God, for loving me like that. And if you are uh, joining us today, but this is all kind of new for you, that's the heart of it. That, the gospel, that we get to be made right with God by what Jesus did for us. And so if it's new for you to take in a message like this, I hope you'll hear me loud and clear. God loves you. You are precious to God, so precious that he would send his one and only son to die for you, to offer his life so that you could really live. And, and so if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you and save you, that's where it all starts. It's just a moment where you finally cry out and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you save me? And he does it. So today I want to ask you to pray with me for a moment. And for somebody, this is the moment you need to cry out and ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. So would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the, the parts of your word that are kind of easy to read and understand. And I also thank you, God, for the parts of your word that are a bit mysterious and, and, and a bit profound. And, and I pray, Father, that out of what we've read in Daniel today, Lord, you would bring revelation to each one of us that would strengthen us for a real vital spiritual life of victory. And now, Father, I pray for, uh, for somebody who's part of this moment online uh, to, to finally put trust in Jesus. While we're praying together, if you don't know where you stand with God, the way to be right with God is by believing in Jesus, the one and only perfect one who offered his perfection on your behalf. And so here and now, in this moment, you can be right with God through faith in Jesus. And if you've never done this before, what I'm talking about is you having a moment where once and for all you would say, Jesus, I believe in you. And, it, and it's something you do. You know, your, your, your aunt who's been praying for you can't do that for you. Your friend who shared this link with you can't do that for you. You do that. It's a, it's a you and Jesus kind of a moment that opens the door to this whole life that's so filled with God's grace. So while we're all praying in this moment, if that's you and you've never started this life with Jesus, would you just simply pray and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you, you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me and save me. Be my savior. Be my Lord. I'm yours, Jesus from this moment on. Just say it again, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And if this is uh, authentic for you, that you're, you're believing in Jesus right now, offering your life to Jesus, would you let us know about that? If you're on Facebook, you can just type it into the comments, just type in, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Or if you're on the other platform, you can click the, I'm raising my hand, commit my life to Jesus. Let us know, we would love to help you. Uh, grow in this relationship. You could also text the word Jesus to 951-397-2254. God is good. We're in his presence together. And I pray God your blessing over uh, each of us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.